Welcome to the Lifehouse Church Podcast. Lifehouse is a church that exists to invite all people to live an uncommon life by following Jesus, doing life together, getting in the game, and leaving a legacy. We hope that today's message helps you grow as a follower of Jesus, gives you perspective to see yourself and others differently, and inspires you to make a difference in the world around you. Now, let's get to this week's message. Plugged in just in time to... For us to dive into the next part of our series, it is what it is. Everyone say, it is what it is. It is what it is. This series has been really fun, man, because I have had people tell me, man, I've been saying it is what it is. I recognize how often I say it. And it but, but honestly, well, when we look at the book of James, and that's what we're diving into this summer is the book of James. He tells it to us clear. There's no sugarcoating. James is just like, yo, this is what's right. This is what's wrong. This is what God says. You need to just not, not just say it, you need to actually go and do it. And that's one thing James is really big on. Don't just tell me you have faith, show me. Don't just tell me you have something, show me. Like, show it. And so, and, and really the people that, that James is speaking to as he wrote this book was Christian. So he's not speaking to the world, he's speaking to Jesus followers that were scattered because of persecution. And so he wrote them this, letter to encourage them and remind them as you are facing persecution and as you are facing maybe stuff that is not right and you feel like life is not fair let me shoot you some reminders about what it means to follow jesus and we're actually today in the second part of chapter three and today this is going to be so much fun maybe for me maybe not for you but we are going to be talking today about wisdom about godly wisdom and let me ask you this question starting off can you go to that question would having a guide that helps you think through what you should do when you don't know what to do be helpful it's kind of a long complicated question though isn't it? like would having a guide that helps you think through what you should do when you don't know what to do be helpful if so today i think will really help you because honestly, I think many Jesus followers genuinely have a desire to please God. They genuinely have a desire to do what God says is best. But sometimes when we have all of these competing voices, we have, our, we have that internal voice, we have the external voices, we have culture, media, social media, relatives, friends, coworkers, books, magazines, billboards, all of these things shooting at us, telling us what their wisdom is, God's wisdom can get cloudy. And so we need to be able to have the discernment. Everyone say discernment. To know what is godly wisdom and what is not godly wisdom. Because everyone is shooting wisdom at us. That isn't actually wisdom according to God. So we are going to, hopefully today I can put a tool in your hand today or tools in your hands today to help you be able to discern what is wisdom, what isn't, so, so you can actually follow what God says is wisdom and when you at times don't know what to do you can have almost a guideline to help you know what to do when you don't know what to do so let's go ahead and dive into our scripture today james chapter 3 verse 13 through 18 we're going to read that together this is what it says it says if you are wise and understand god's ways and here is james language prove it right it's like if you wise prove it by your by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. 
But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover it up, y'all, with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are, and here's a description, earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure, peace-loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Do you just feel those two worlds? You've got a worldly wisdom and you've got a godly wisdom. And it feels like we're just in the middle like, ah! It's like you've got two things pulling us. Where are you going to go? Before we dive into this text, I want to talk to you about the importance of wisdom in the Bible. Can we, can we go back, Mary Dawn, to, to that first slide? Because I think you need to know how often and important wisdom is when it comes to you following Jesus, because I think sometimes we can just think following Jesus is just about getting you away from here and getting you to heaven. The Bible, like, that, that is not the goal. The goal isn't to get you through earth as fast as you possibly can so you can just get away from this absolutely hellish place and get to heaven. The purpose of you being here is to bring as much heaven as you can to earth, okay? And many times the way we do that is through wisdom. So let me just give you a few thoughts about wisdom before we dive into the text and start talking about godly wisdom versus worldly wisdom. Number one, there's a whole group of books in the Bible known as wisdom literature. Like that's how important wisdom is in the Bible. There's a cluster of books in the Old Testament that's actually referred to as wisdom literature. It is Job, Proverbs, and and Ecclesiastes. And wisdom is mentioned in the Bible 255 times. Like even if you just open up the book of Proverbs, there's 31 books, there's, excuse me, there's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. You read one book of Proverbs, you read one chapter of Proverbs per day. It is filled with wisdom from Solomon. And let me tell you about Solomon. God gave Solomon this, like he said, ask me for anything you want and I'll do it for you. How many of you would love to have that happen? Like this is what God told Solomon. You can have anything, name it and and I'll do it. And the one thing that Solomon said, I need more than anything as I've been called to lead, to, to lead Israel, to lead God's people. He said, Lord, give me wisdom. What a prayer, and God did. Like, you can tell that at the heart of Solomon's heart was a heart for wisdom. Did he listen and obey all of the wisdom that God gave him? No. But at least he desired it. Secondly, you can see Luke 2.52, when it's talking about Jesus, says Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and man. I find it odd that Jesus grew in wisdom. Like, Scripture points out he didn't come out of the womb with all wisdom. He didn't come out of the womb oozing and dripping with knowledge. He had to grow. He he grew in wisdom. And if that was the path for Jesus, how much more is that the path for us that are trying to be like him? We should have this deep desire to say, Lord, help me to grow in in wisdom. Also, too, you can see at the core of Jesus' message was was this theme of repentance and repentance isn't just feeling sorry for something you've done repentance actually means in the greek language to rethink basically saying everything you think you've thought about 
fill in the blank, you need to rethink it in light of what God says. So part of that is having to say, I need to know what God's wisdom is about fill in the blank so I can now live in it. I can do it according to what God's standard is. You can also see at the core of what Paul called discipleship in Romans 12, 12, in, in Romans chapter 12, verse number two, he said, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by what? Changing the way you think. God is for cognitive behavioral ther ther therapy. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of what psychologists do and a lot of what therapists do is discipleship. Because what discipleship is ultimately trying to get you to do is to rethink, reframe, re-see. And what Paul, like, Paul is actually saying, you know, like how you change, like what you do is, is that when you change the way, you're transformed into a new person by changing the way you think. It says, then you will learn to know God's will. Anyone want to know God's will? For you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Can you just hear, there is a theme, a tsunami of a theme in Scripture about the importance of wisdom from the Old Testament to Jesus, even into the New Testament. And my heart for our church is that we just wouldn't be a spiritual people. We just wouldn't lift hands and worship. We just wouldn't be able to quote scriptures, but practically with our life, people would say about us, man, they're, they're pretty wise. Because some stuff isn't sin, it's just stupid. Like some of us, the stuff we do isn't sin, but it's pretty dumb. There's no wisdom in it, but that kind of living can lead to a life of sin. That, you know, and, it, and it's, so, so anyway, so we're going to dive in, we're gonna, and we're going to take apart this text that talks about wisdom, and we're going to dive in. Are you ready to go? All right, let's start with verse number 13. Ready or not, here we go. It is what it is, right? It starts off, verse number 13, James says, if you are wise and understand God's ways. So what James does here, he equates wisdom with God's ways. So let me say this. Do you want wisdom? Start with God. Start with God. Proverbs actually says, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So at the very rudimentary level of wisdom is to start with God. Not with your experiences, not with what media is telling you, not with your own desires, not with what culture is telling you to think, not what your friends think, and for dang sure, not what TikTok and Instagram are telling you to think. We have, because here's the thing, you will start with something. You will start with something or somebody to have a reference point for what you think is wise. And what James says is, if you want to be wise, and you want to understand God's ways, God's ways are wisdom. But what I find when I die, because here's the thing, I just don't want to know what someone believes. I want to know how they get there. Because how they get there to me is even more important than what they believe. Because when I talk to somebody about what they believe, many times the reference point is them. Well, I experience. Well, I think. Well, I've seen. Well, 
I've got a friend. Well, I've, 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 and very rarely do people say, let me start with God. What God thinks about it. What does God say? And let that be the reference point for then them directing them towards what God actually believes. We need to start with God when it comes to relationships. When it comes to marriage, when it comes to sexuality, when it comes to politics, when it comes to food, when it comes to money, when it comes to possessions, when it comes to technology, when it comes to mental health, start with God. But do you know what I have found is many people are afraid to start with him because many times what God says is wisdom isn't what they want wisdom to be. It is what it is. And what I have found is we can be intellectually lazy. And we don't do the work, we don't do the hard work to actually think, to actually dive in and say, what does God say? So when you don't know what God says, you can't start with him. Here's the thing, we get messed up whenever we start with us and sprinkle in a little bit of God to make it okay. We live in a culture that begins with us and then Malleate, ma, ma, malleate. I don't know if that's the word. Sometimes I have these when I'm preaching. I'm like, this is kind of the word. It's fifty percent of the word, but I can't. And we, sorry. And we we want to take God and form Him into the image we want Him to be. Instead of let's start with what He thinks and we shape and form into what He says. And this is the battle we're in within our culture. Because here's the thing, I guarantee there will be times when what you think is wise isn't what God considers as wise. And at that moment, it will prove who is really Lord of your life. Right? So wisdom we find, the beginning of that is you have to start with God. If you don't start with him, then you start with your preferences, which could go all over the place. You could start with what the culture says, all over the place. The media all over the place. And that's why we have so many confused people, Christians especially, all over the map because they're going to every reference point except God himself. But then James goes into it. He says, if you understand the Lord's ways, I love it. Prove it by doing good works with humility. What does this tell us? Wisdom is not what you show or excuse me, wisdom is what you show, not what you know. Isn't it true we live in more, we have more information than we've ever had access to, yet we're like dumber than ever in, the way, in what we do. We are not lacking in information, everybody. We are lacking in follow-through. <clears throat> and what James is saying Experts aren't the one that can just say it. They're the ones that actually do it. Because here's the thing. There's a difference between knowing information and practicing wisdom. Because I have even heard the difference between knowledge and wisdom is what you apply. Right? And what this applies so much to even our following Jesus, where we have people educated beyond their obedience where we know more about Jesus than we actually follow. And we can have this weird thing where we say, I want the deeper things of God, when you won't even obey the elementary things of God, when really all you want is a caffeine-inspired Jesus hit. 
I want goosebumps in worship when you won't even obey what's clear. It is what it is. Welcome to Lifehouse. Right? I'm... But, but, but no, it's, 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 it's because we've, like, I hope y'all hear my heart in this, of, like, we can want so bad for God to speak this words in the clouds and on a bumper sticker and on a license plate and in this and that when we clearly don't even obey what is clear and what Jesus clearly tells us to do. And I just think if you don't obey, like, the clear word of God, why would God give you another word? Right, and, and so he, it, it, it's not what you know, it's what you show. And my prayer is that even our prayer would be, God, help me to obey what I already know. Lord, help me to obey what I already know. Right, but, but then James dive, dives in, he says, he talks about humility that stems from wisdom. Essentially, any, anybody that's wise knows this. The more you know, the more you realize you don't know. Anybody realize this? The older you got? Are you so young, you think everything's black and white, and you know all stuff? And then you get older, and you're like, I don't know a dang thing. Even though you got a doctorate, you got a master's, you got all this stuff. It's just a rabbit hole down to more stuff you had no clue of. And that's why he says what actually wisdom produces is a spirit of humility. And that is why even when people that I am talking to, like I, I have a hard time being drawn to those that act like they know everything. But I'm more drawn to those that, that rightly position themselves as being, I have something to add in this area, but I'm not the all in all. Right? But even in Christianity, right, it's crazy to me how those that know the Bible the best can be some of the most cocky, unhumble people ever. Like, the more you know about the Bible, it should actually make you more humble. The more doctorates you have, the theology degrees you have, if that doesn't lead you to more of a humbleness, to more of a humility, then I think you're missing the whole tone of the Bible. Because even Paul... You see this progression in, in Paul's life where he was the rabbi. He was, he was like top of his class. He knew everything. And by the very end of it, he is like, I'm, a, I'm the chief of sinners. He's like, I'm the worst of the worst. Because as he got closer to Jesus, the more he saw his real self. I am broken, needy. I, like, I, like, I need God more every day. So what I would say is be careful of if you have like this cocky, Spirit of you know more scriptures than someone else, and that's not making you more humble than I don't know what Bible you're studying and learning. Because what we see here is that hum like a byproduct of wisdom is, hum is humility. And, and this is just a side note. This is just thrown in there, sprink sprinkled in there. One of the wisest things you can do is to learn from other people's stupidity. Like, I tell my son this all the time. Jackson, do not learn from only your mistakes. Learn from other people's mistakes. Because you'll learn quicker. Like, if you see, like, that's why I'm always pointing out to him, did you see when he did that? Like, here's the thing, and this might be wrong, and I'm just putting this out there. Do you know what? I actually show my son. Instagram has this one page. It's, it's called Drunk People Doing Things. <laughs> and 
and we'll go through before he goes to bed. <laughs> right before we pray. <laughs> and I'll say, Jackson, this dude just jumped off a roof. He tried to jump on a table, and he missed it because it's surrounded by red Solo cups. Do you know why he did that? Because he's drunk. He doesn't have any clue what's going on. And now why do I do that? Because I want him to learn from other people's mistakes. Because I want him when he gets in college and he has people, hey, bro, let's go party, bro. He's like, no. I know where that leads. And that's stupidity right there. <laughs> My dad would show me videos of this other page. And I'm not doing nothing like that. Why? Because I'm trying to put inside of him. Trying to put inside of him some wisdom to learn from other people's mistakes. Why? Because I want to put tools in his hands to prepare him. Now, what we dive into now is Paul kind of gives his, excuse me, James gives his introduction of wisdom, but then he goes into a chunk of, of like dissecting hellish wisdom and godly wisdom. And kind of the way to frame this is like, you're going to live one of two ways, hell up or heaven down. That in your life, you are going to reach down and through your decisions and choices, bring a lot of hell up to earth. Or through your choices, you're going to reach up to heaven and pull a lot of heaven down. And, and, and honestly, and he dives into this. Let's, let's actually check this out. Verse 14 through 17. He says, but if you are bitterly jealous, and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first off pure, peace-loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield to others, full of mercy, full of good deeds. So there's no favoritism and is always sincere. Like, do you see, like, hell and heaven clashing here? He's saying there's... There, there is wisdom that the world says that is essentially pulling hell up, and there is wisdom that God says that when you live it, you're actually pulling more of heaven down to earth. Now, I've kind of created two different graphs here. So let's talk about hell up wisdom. <laughs> so we're talking about like pulling hell up, right? This is, this is what kind of, kind of the trajectory that James brings here. He says it starts off with jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart. And you know what jealousy is? I want what you have, which is also called social media. Cultivating this, I want what you have. Selfish ambition is I want what I want. Which then leads to disorder. Evil of every kind, is what James says, which then leads to earthly, unspiritual, demonic, essentially hell on earth. Can this just be a cultural uh, analysis of what we're living in right now? And I love it how James starts off with says, the, at the root of it is, I want what you have and I want what I want. The root of that is I, me, the self, which what do we live in a culture in? Self, which then leads to a, as James said, disorder, meaning a disordering of God's standard, a disordering of God. And this is evil of 
every kind. Is, is there some crazy stuff going on in our world that we're like, eh, don't know about that. But then it leads to what he says, earthly, so that essentially means we're just living for temporary. Unspiritual, meaning we don't need none of that Jesus stuff. And demonic, like it's built on lies. This is hell up living. And this is what, unfortunately, a lot of our world is built on, that the world will actually call wisdom. The world says, do what you want to do, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. Is that really wisdom? You only live once. Is that really wisdom? What I am saying is, is that a lot of the fruit we're seeing in our world right, right now at the root is selfishness and jealousy that makes its way up into disorder and evil of urikine, which then leads to us having a culture of earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Can, can you feel this? Can you feel this tension? So that is hell up living. Where essentially we're, we're saying we're going to pull more of, and, and that's why we would even say on this, like we feel there's, there's like hell on earth in some areas. It's because this is the root. Now let's talk about what heaven down living is. Verse 17, 18 says this, but the wisdom from above is pure, peace-loving, gentle, willing to yield to others, full of mercy, as, uh, um, and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism, is always sincere. Those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. What does heaven down wisdom look like? First off, you start with God, just like you said. And that begins when you repent in your heart and renew your mind. So that, that's why I'm saying the beginning of wisdom, and some of you here, you, you are wise, but you are wise in sight of the world, and you're not wise in the sight of God because you haven't started with him. And there is a level that worldly wisdom will take you to. It will. But unless you start with a renewed mind and a pure heart, and that's why Jesus would tick the Pharisees off, because he would tell them, hey, you've got to be born again to enter the kingdom of God. Do you know what he was essentially telling them? You've got to start over, buddy. Because all this stuff that you thought was wise and all this stuff you thought was made you so good in God's sight, made you so religious, you have to throw all that off. And let me tell you what the actual kingdom of Jesus is built on. It's built on room for me. It's built on mercy. It's built on those that are hungering and thirsting for righteousness. It's those that don't mind being persecuted. Jesus like came and turned what they thought was success and wisdom upside down. And so instead of being the teacher, they had to become the pupil. And that is why I believe when Jesus said the road is narrow, this is a huge reason why people are like, Jesus, he can be the genie. Jesus, he can give me what I want. Okay. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I got to rethink everything. I'm out. Because whenever Jesus gets in, Jesus just doesn't want to party. He wants all of you. And Jesus is going to go for the, for, at the center of your system, which is your heart. And aren't you glad Jesus, like, one of the things that I've just realized being saved for 20 years is Jesus saves you from yourself. My God. Because we're kind of taught in this culture, oh, just follow your heart, your heart, your heart, your heart. 
God, your heart is like this endless pit. You fill it with what it wants, and it just wants more and more and more and more. That's why Jesus is like, the answer isn't to give your heart everything. The heart is to give your heart to the creator, because only the creator can fill a hole, because he made you. He knows you. You start with him, and it gives you a way to rethink so you practically do do different things it gets in your heart to where you get away from guilt and shame and condemnation and then you see this actually leads out into what you like you actually like strive for purity like you're actually like peaceful anyone like some peace like gentle you're considerate my god this is 2022 what none of this stuff happens like merciful kind loving considerate gentle peace even to those on the different side of the political realm of you my god what have christians done that right but you see this is what it means bringing heaven down hell up or heaven down what are you doing daily into your life into your family into your marriage into your workplace into your social spheres would people say you're a hell up or a heaven down But then you can see what that leads to whenever you pull those things up is it leads to you have an eternal mindset. Like you're spirit-led instead of flesh-led. And your environment is one where what God says is right is actually happening. Now, you know this is a fight. And you can even compare this to Galatians chapter 5 when it talks about the battle between the flesh and in the spirit the two lists are almost identical here of like what is going to win and y'all feel this because some of y'all come into monday like i got church in stepping into monday it's gonna be a heaven down life until 30 minutes in you get a co-worker who you want to choke and you're like time to bring some hell up baby it's time to raise some hell right this is real talk doesn't take, doesn't take long before you feel, what, what am I going to bring? 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 What wisdom am I going to live in today? What, what wisdom am I going to bring? And here's, here's the thing. Here's what you've got to know. God's wisdom will look foolish to the world. Like you being considerate will be looked at as weakness. You not showing fav- favorites might not get you a promotion. You being submissive might look you are just being weak-willed. You yielding to others might not get your idea as the one that's chosen in the meeting. But who are you trying to be wise to? And I'm telling you, y'all, like, if you try to live heaven down, it will, like, feel like, it, it, it'll, you will feel the, con- the conflict. And Paul wasn't, was not, not aware of this. You can actually see whenever he's talking about wisdom in 1 Corinthians 1, he, he actually says this. He says, the message of the, and hear these words, church, please don't tune out now, okay? The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. Like, even the cross itself, the gospel sounds dumb. Like, headed for, but it says, but we who are being saved 
No, it is the very power of God. It's crazy how some people can view the cross. It's just a symbol, something you wear, it looks cute. But how many of you know, to those who have received forgiveness, who have been written, who have been taken away from guilt and shame and condemnation and know they are righteous in the sight of God, the cross is the most powerful thing. That he went and died a death you should have died in your place and for your sins, but didn't just stay on the cross. He rose and defeated the three greatest enemies you have, Satan, sin, and death. It's the power of God. It says, as the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. He says, so where does this lead the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. And he's talking about the uh, apostles that were preaching. Sometimes the things that I pray before I come out here and preach is, God, take my foolish preaching and use it to speak to someone. Because I can sometimes feel like I'm preaching foolishness. Because it's so countercultural to what you're hearing whenever you walk in here. It, but then he says, but to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. You, you can even see, whenever it says Jews and Gentiles, like the Jews wanted a sign. That's why even a lot of Jews today don't believe in Jesus, because they're like, we need to see a different sign. The Greeks, they just wanted more wisdom. Aristotle and Socrates, they were all about human wisdom. But God said, y'all, that's, you want a sign, you want knowledge. What you really need is a savior. You want proof. You want more wisdom, but what you need is a heart change. Wisdom is not just knowing more. Wisdom is not just, well, I saw this happen. No, it's the heart. And that's why Jesus' greatest mission met our greatest need, which was we needed a change of heart. And that is the wisdom of God. Here's the thing, the beginning of wisdom and the wisest thing you can do is to receive a new identity in Christ. Like, that is the foundation of wisdom. It begins with God. Godly wisdom. Like, and, and for some of you, you feel like you say, I want the will of God. I want to know what to do. Well, many times to know what to do, you need to know who the heck you are. The reason why we have a crisis of people not knowing what they want to win and should do is because they don't have no idea who they are. They're trying to find it in people, in relationships, in money, in possessions, in, in degrees. When Jesus is saying at the root of the gospel, the good news is you receive a new identity. You go from being a sinner to a saint. You go from being an enemy of God to a friend and child of God. And then that helps you know, instead of looking inward more, oh, who am I? Who am I? You look up and you say, God, who am I? And then you start this process of relearning, rethinking everything in light of who you already now are because of what Jesus did for you. This is the good news, friends. And this is where wisdom begins and wisdom flourishes is when you brightly put yourself as the created under the creator God so you can know then how to steward creation. This is such good news, friends. Because you're saying what you do flows from who you are. And what you do creates what kind of world you will experience. 
heart practice atmosphere. So here is my question. Like, like there's some of you today, like you need and like you need wisdom. And some of you, like you even felt today, like before you walked in, you're living between this hell up heaven, heaven down thing. Hopefully you've seen what this heaven down looks like. And by God's grace and the spirit of God, he'll start to implement that. But some of you here today, you need to completely do what Jesus said to the Pharisees who thought they were so wise, had so much knowledge. He said, you need to be born again. And, have, and, and to have true wisdom, maybe you might need to have a season of being the pupil. Where instead of saying, I know this about this and this about you, know, you say, God, I want to start with you and know what the heck you think about it before I try to go and do any of it. Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, we just love you. We thank you. Thank you for your word and your truth that is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. We thank you today. God, that your heart for us is not just to be saved. Your heart for us is just not to get to heaven. Your heart for us is while we're on this planet is to be as wise as we possibly can. Jesus, thank you for showing us the way of growing in wisdom. So Lord, would your people today have a heart not to just get away from sin, but to run towards wisdom. And Lord, we know that that begins with you that begins with you. So God, I pray today for those today that need a new beginning, that need a new start, that need to start with you. Just right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe today you would say, John, I, like, I need to start with him. Maybe you're watching online today. Maybe, you know, like where, wherever you're hearing this, maybe you're hearing this re on, on replay, on Facebook, on the podcast, whatever. And maybe today you like, you have realized throughout this message, like, you've got a lot of good knowledge, a lot of good information, but you do not have wisdom according to the way God defines it. And maybe today, you need to, like, make a declaration to say, God, I'm going to start with you. Maybe today, you need to say, like, and, and that needs to start with you receiving a new identity, receiving the good news. Because honestly, that's what the good news is, guys. The good news is don't just do better more often and then Jesus will like you better. The good news is that you simply receive what Jesus did for you and it transforms who you are and then it transforms what you do. So maybe today you need to, like, you need to start with God. Like you, you need to start a relationship with God today and that simply is when happens by you accepting the love of God. So just with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that is you, and you say, John, I want to receive this. All, all we have you do at our church is just say yes. And on the count of three, when I say three, and if that's you, I'm just going to ask you to say yes. You can say it quietly, loudly, in your heart, whatever. Because we know each week people say it. We know each week, whether it's loudly or quietly, people make a decision. And today, we want to give you that opportunity to start with God. Start with God. Start with a new identity. I don't care if you've been in church for years. I don't care because people are, so many people in church that have no idea what the gospel is but have no idea it starts with God. Like church isn't just a sprinkle on all the stuff you hear in culture. It's the basis, it's the beginning. So I'm gonna count to three, what I do, if that's you, you wanna start with God, you want a new identity Christ, you wanna receive the good news today. I'm just gonna ask you to say yes on the count of three. Ready, one, two, three. Amen. I know people said it. Why? Because I, I can feel it in my spirit that there are some of you here today. This message was for you. 
You've been trying to do things your own way long enough. And it's led you towards a, exactly what James said, earthly, unspiritual, and demonic-filled life. And you want to try the heaven down thing. And it begins with God. Would you stand up with me? We're going to pray with all those that said yes today. And and just all of us as a church, we're going to join in with them. And we're going to pray that prayer with them. And we're just going to take their hand and put it in Jesus' hand. So right now, would you all just just repeat this prayer for me, joining in with those that said yes today. Pray this. Jesus, I open my heart and welcome you in to sit on the throne of my heart and be Lord. You are wisdom, and I need wisdom, so I surrender to you. Jesus, thank you for giving me what I didn't even know I needed, which was a savior. I don't need a sign. I don't need more knowledge. I need somebody who can change who I am so I can change what I do. So Jesus, I welcome you to take over. I want to start with you. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. And if today's message helped or inspired you, feel free to share it with someone. If after today's message you have questions, need help, or just want somebody to talk to or process with, just shoot Lifehouse a text to 757-690-2401. For more information about Lifehouse, you can visit us at lifehouseonline.church. That's lifehouseonline.church.